as we continue our Advent series, we're talking about this idea of simply Christmas, that the first Christmas was very simple. And it's okay if this one is too. In fact, you may have noticed that Thanksgiving looked a little different, was a little simpler. I know ours was. It was just the Sunstrom Six together, and we found ways to enjoy that and to appreciate uh, the simplicity of Thanksgiving. Advent started off a little different, perhaps, for many of you, especially those of you that are joining us online each week. And yet, the simplicity can have its own blessing. If we will take this mental break in our minds that to, to disassociate simple from boring or bad and, and complicated or complex from, uh, from being good or being better somehow, and we can reflect on what the simplicity brings to us. What does the simplicity make available that the complexity doesn't allow? In fact, I would go so far as to say that 2020 could be the best Christmas you've had in some time. If we'll open our minds and we'll ask God, what do you want to say to us? What do you want to do through a simple Christmas that maybe hasn't been available in the more complicated or the busier Christmases with more travel and more, uh, more components mixed in? And then I would encourage you as we move through this and, and as we move through Christmas this year to take some time to reflect What was better about this Christmas than prior Christmases? And what changes could you make for next Christmas and those that follow it that would keep the best parts of a simple Christmas in the Christmases that will follow? Today we're going to be talking about sharing Christmas, about moving from simplifying Christmas, which we talked about in week one, where we said that the simple faith and the simple obedience of Mary and Joseph as they received these earth-shattering angelic announcements, that that simple faith and simple obedience made a powerful combination. And that if we will simply obey and do so with a simple faith, as we seek to simplify our schedules and simplify our finances, that we can have a powerful experience of Christmas and a powerful experience of life in those two areas. And then we talked last week about anticipating Christmas and we looked at the prophecies and the anticipation that built for hundreds of years, for for centuries and generations as the people of God awaited the Messiah and then he came. And we talked about this idea that when we are prisoners of hope, we are free from fear. And this past year has given us many reasons for anxiety or for fear or for doubt or worry. And yet if we can remind ourselves that we are prisoners of hope in Jesus Christ and that we have a glorious future to look forward to with him and that with Jesus the best is always yet to come, then we can be free from fear. And so today we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 20. As we progress from simplifying to anticipating to now sharing Christmas, as we look at sharing the good news of Christmas and how that takes place in the Christmas story and how we can then participate in that as well. For those of you that are in the room, you can take one of the pew Bibles that are in the chairs in front of you and you can turn to page 1590. For those of you that are joining online, you might want to open up a Bible 
to pay uh, to Luke chapter two, and just to kind of bring you up to speed as we continue through the Christmas narrative, uh, at the beginning of Luke's gospel, uh, he starts to explain the events that took place leading up to Christ's birth, and so in verses one through five, there's the report of a census that's being taken throughout the Roman world, and that forces Joseph and Mary, who's now quite pregnant, to travel by. By foot or maybe on the back of a donkey uh, to from Nazareth to Bethlehem, where Joseph would be uh, would be counted in the census, and that leads us uh, to verses six and seven, where we read, "While they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn." And I read those two verses to underscore the point that we've been making for the last several weeks. The first Christmas could not have been much simpler. Not a royal palace with a lot of pomp and circumstance and and excitement and acclamation. It was probably a couple of teenagers in a manger, terrified, and yet simply obeying with a simple faith. As the Christ child, the Messiah, God himself, entered our world. And it strikes me as interesting that here in Luke chapter 2, Luke devotes seven verses, and in the New International Version, 135 words, to the months leading up to and including the birth of Christ. And yet, he spends 13 verses and 255 words on the next few hours, immediately following that birth. Two times the space and time talking about sharing the good news that the Messiah had come. So let's read verses 8 through 14 and pause and work back through them, and then we'll read verses 15 through 20. And so in verses 8 through 14, we read about the angels sharing the good news with the shepherd. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. And so in these verses, we read about the angels sharing the good news with the shepherds. And and in reality, that's what angels do. They share good news. They proclaim good news. They are messengers. That's what the word means in the Greek language. Angel means messenger. They are messengers sent by God to proclaim his message. The angels don't come with their own message. They come with God's message. And I know I've made this point before, but it bears repeating that even the word evangelism, which we talk so much about In spreading the good news, it has the word angel right in the middle of it. 
Evangelism means to spread or to share the good news with people who have never heard it. To be God's messengers, to be those sent by God to proclaim His message to people who have not heard it. And so we do that in our ordinary everyday lives around the corner, across the street, across the hall at work. In our partnerships here that Linwood has in our community, we can be evangelizing. We can be spreading the good news. But we also do it through partnerships that we have across the nation and around the world so that through those partnerships, we have an opportunity to to help those who are spreading the good news in places like China and Japan and Zambia and Nepal and Brazil and on and on it goes. And it all started with this angelic announcement in verses 10 and 11 when the angels say, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. It's not just good news. It's good news of great joy. And it's not just for you, shepherds. It's for all people everywhere in all time. And here's the good news. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now, those words are familiar to us. But this announcement to those shepherds in the fields 2,000 years ago was a big deal. And those were not familiar words. To have something like this take place. And to be proclaiming that this child that is being born in the city of David is a Savior and he is Christ the Lord. That word Christ means Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, the Lord himself, Yahweh, God in a body among us. God has come to us, essentially, is what they would have heard. It was a simple message shared with simple people. And it was accompanied by great celebration. We see that in verse 13 and 14. That's going to be our subject next week, celebrating Christmas. And we will look at those verses and several others in the Christmas story. But the response, what they're told in verse 12, is that there will be a sign that they'll find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And so their response in verses 15 through 20 is to go and see. To go and see. We see in verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Again, we see the powerful combination of simple faith and simple obedience. They didn't look at each other and say, Well, that was weird. And then move on with the rest of their lives. They looked at each other and they responded in faith. They responded in a simple faith that says, this is incredible. This is amazing. Let's go and see. They responded in simple obedience. They, they responded in, to the words that the angels said, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Now, if they don't go and, and look... They're not going to find a baby. So they respond in simple faith and simple obedience. It says that they hurried off. That means they moved quickly. They moved immediately. They didn't wait. I've often heard it said that delayed obedience is disobedience. That delayed obedience might miss opportunities. And so when the Lord lays something on our heart, when his word confronts us with something in our lives, when his spirit whispers to us that something needs to change, we don't wait. 
We respond in simple faith and simple obedience. When God says to share our faith with somebody, we don't wait for another opportunity. We take the opportunity that's been given to us. When God says go and see or go and tell, we need to respond quickly. And the shepherds model that for us. And in the verses that follow, in 17 and 18, we read, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. They spread the word. They didn't keep it to themselves. They took the next step. They didn't just go and see. They also decided to go and tell to tell what they had seen and heard. They, make, they became witnesses of this, and they shared what was taking place. And we're told in verse 18, all who heard it were amazed. All who heard it wondered and marveled at what had been said, what they had heard from the shepherds. And then in verse 19, we read, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So there was more celebrating. And I think that creates a link that, that if you want more celebrating, more joy, more praising, do more sharing. That the more you share, the more people will hear, the more people might be amazed and respond in faith to the good news. And then they'll, they'll, you'll have that to celebrate as well. And I don't want you to miss that in a very real way, this passage, this story, is bookended by angels. It starts with angels sharing the good news with shepherds, but it ends with those very shepherds becoming angels, becoming messengers, becoming those who are sharing the good news. And so on each side of this story, you have angels, the literal angels that came from heaven, the glorious uh, heavenly host that we hear about sharing with the shepherds. But then the shepherds, they don't just stay shepherds. They become angels by the end of this story. They become those who are spreading good news. That's what angels do. They become messengers sharing the message of hope. And so that's our bottom line today, that the lowly shepherds became glorious angels when they shared the good news of Christmas. And here's the good news. You can too. You can become an angel. You can become a messenger of God. In fact, we're called to do this. We're told to do this. And so if you want to be an angel, spread the good news. Share the right message. In fact, in this sense, the great commission that we find at the end of each of the Gospels in one form or another is to go and be angels. Go be angels. Go be messengers. Go into all the world and tell people what you have seen and heard and help them to become acquainted with this Messiah, this Savior, this resurrected Christ. And what we read about in Acts is, is people like Peter and Paul and Silas and Barnabas becoming angels, being sent with a message and carrying that message to the ends of the earth. And all of the New Testament letters are letters from an angel, a messenger of God to the people of God, and so on and so forth. 
And so as we close our time together, I want to share some specific examples or some specific ideas for how you could be an angel this year. First and foremost, you could invite people to our Christmas Eve services. You could invite people in your life, your neighbors, your co-workers, your friends and family, to join us in person or online. Now, we're doing things a little different this year. We've always had one service in the past, but due to socially distanced seating and, and uh, some changes, we are adding a second Christmas Eve service. So we'll have one option at 4.30 p.m. We'll have another at 6 p.m. And we're asking you to register if you're going to be here in person. Both of those experiences will be streamed live to our YouTube channel and our Facebook channel. But for those of you that are going to join us in the room, we need you to register so that we know how many are coming and so that if one starts to get saturated, we can, we can remove that option. And we need one person from each party to register. So if you have a family and you have some guests, but you're all coming together and one person can register for that whole party, we need you to go to our website, go to the events tab, click on the Christmas Eve services registration, have one person register for all people. You'll tell us which service you're coming to and how many are coming with you. If you've already registered and you didn't do it that way, don't worry. We can fix that. But going forward, everybody that hasn't registered, we just need one person from the party to register for all people. If you're joining us online, you don't need to register. You can just join us at 4.30 or 6 o'clock, whichever is your preference. It's going to be a wonderful celebration of the Christmas story, of the music that coincides with that. We'll have Advent readings. We'll have a children's story. We'll have everything that has come to, to be uh, meaningful and symbolic of that, that Christmas Eve service. And so we hope that you'll enjoy, enjoy that with us, and we hope that you'll invite somebody to enjoy that. Maybe the online opportunity opens a door for somebody that has never come to our physical service before, but they would come over and, and share an evening in your home and, and watch the service together. Or maybe they would join you online. I would also encourage you uh, to think about other ways that you can share Christmas with people in your life or, or even with strangers, maybe taking somebody a meal or, or taking flowers. We've heard reports of, of people at Linwood doing that already, and, and maybe you could do that. Or when you do your Christmas baking, do a little extra. Or, or when you're doing some shopping, you know, get, get a gift for somebody that's not on your list right now and share that gift with them with a message of hope and pointing back to the Christ of Christmas. Maybe sending cards Sending some handwritten notes to people to encourage them that maybe have never received a Christmas card from you before. Or making phone calls. You know, there's one, one member of our church who spends several hours a day on the road. And he's on the phone the entire time. And he calls people within our congregation just to touch base with them, to check on them, to see how they're doing. To, to call those that, that aren't able to come and worship with us in person. And maybe you, could, maybe you could do something like that. Maybe make some phone calls. Reach out to some people that you haven't seen for some time that, that used to be a part of your Sunday school class or you used to see on Sunday morning and you haven't seen them. And to, to pick up the phone and call them and have a conversation, an unhurried conversation. Or maybe God's going to place it upon your heart to share your story with somebody, with a coworker or a neighbor or a family member. To tell them, why you believe in Jesus Christ, why you celebrate Christmas and not just the holidays. To tell them what Christ has done in you and, and 
Sometimes people think, oh, I, I don't have a testimony or I don't know how to give my testimony. It's simple. You can do it in two minutes. You talk about where you were and what was going on in your life before you were introduced to Christ. And then you share how you were introduced to Christ, whether it was a person or a television program or a worship service or, or some other way. And, and maybe it was summer camp or maybe it was a book that you read. But how Christ intersected your life. And then you talk about what has changed since then, how things are different, the hope that you have, the peace that you have. And that's a testimony. You can do that in two minutes. You can do that in two hours. It depends on the time that you have in the context, but don't overcomplicate it. You can have a simple testimony that is still a powerful testimony. And for those of you that are still worshiping here in person, you could share Christmas by going out of your way Today, next week, Christmas Eve, the week that follow into the new year, that when you see somebody you don't know, you fix that. You go up to them, you introduce yourself, you ask them their name, you ask them, how long have you been coming to Linwood? And if they say three years, great. If they say two weeks, great. Just get to know them. Make sure they feel like they belong at Linwood. Make that your goal every week to find somebody you don't know and introduce yourself and get to know them, get to know their story. We got inspired ourselves by a, a commercial that we saw, actually, and maybe you've seen it. It's by Hobby Lobby, and we're going to show it to you here in a moment and then share kind of how that inspired us to share Christmas. And so let's go ahead and show the commercial and uh, the idea that Christmas really is what you make of it. Take a look at this. Amen. So we saw that commercial probably around Thanksgiving. I'm not sure exactly when. And we cried. <laughs> and uh, then we didn't, you know, think a whole lot of it. But my wife is very crafty. She, she makes quilts. She makes handbags. She makes soap. She makes other things. And she got this idea. We don't have any single neighbors living in a duplex or anything. But she got this idea that that we could share Christmas with our neighbors, uh, some of them anyway. 
And she started making little hand-sewn uh, ornaments. Uh, some were, were snowmen, some were uh, Christmas trees and, and others. And she, she sewed those together and quilted those and then uh, made a little, sta- a little tag that would go with that that said, Merry Christmas from your neighbors. And Owen and Carson helped uh, with the assembly on that. And then we just went for a walk. We did about 50 or 60 of these. And we went for a walk around our neighbor. And we put those on people's door handles. And there were a few that saw us and we just said, oh, Merry Christmas, or that came to the door or that were in their garage or something. And we just handed it to them and said, Merry Christmas. And uh, our little guys really got into it and they liked taking them. But Keaton and Ryan went along as well. And uh, we were blessed the next day to see a post on Facebook. Uh, My wife's part of a, a group for our neighborhood for the Galway edition, um, and she saw this Facebook post um, that explained that they found this and, and they didn't know who it was from, and that was intentional. We, we didn't want uh, a lot of fanfare. We wanted it to actually be anonymous so that all of the neighbors realized that any of their neighbors could have been the ones that made the, made the ornament and, and uh, shared it with them. And It was interesting to read the comments about how it made people's day or how it brought joy to them. And what we loved about it was that it was simple. It was rooted in anticipation. It gave us something to do as we anticipated Christmas. And it shared Christmas in a way that maybe we don't even know what the the results will be. And so we don't share that to toot our own horns, but just to give you some ideas. Think outside the box, you know, figure out a way to share Christmas. I've given you a number of ideas. Maybe something else has come to mind. But it strikes me that it's December 13th and that there are 12 days left to Christmas. And I want to encourage you in some way, in some form or fashion, to share Christmas in some way each day until Christmas, whether it's a card, whether it's a phone call, whether it's sharing your story, whether it's making a meal or a plate of cookies. Go out of your way to share Christmas with somebody. Because our bottom line today was that the lowly shepherds became glorious angels when they shared the good news of Christmas. And you can be angels this Christmas as well. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you that you have invited us and enlisted us to share the good news of Christmas, to become angels. And I pray that every person hearing this would respond with simple faith and simple obedience to simply share Christmas with someone or with several people each day between now and Christmas. And may we experience the joy and the celebration and the praising that will result from that. May we experience joy as we share and as we hear the good news coming back to us that people have responded or that it brightened somebody's day or that it pointed somebody to our Savior. May we experience joy. May we experience your joy. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.